Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, guys. Welcome. Welcome to our show. Good people, welcome. Bad people, welcome. Anyone who want to learn, welcome. It doesn't matter who you are. If you want to learn more about marketing, welcome. Today, we discuss interesting topic, the art between, uh, the battle between art and science in marketing. I love it because without that, without creativity, without finding something new, it's hard get results. So I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Kamala Thompson. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, excited to learn more about that because I know uh, how it's hard to set up the right marketing message. Uh, for example, 10 years ago, I didn't pay a lot of attention with that. Uh, I set up uh, Google ads, uh, uh, many other marketing campaigns uh, from scratch without any experience, but competition was low. Today it's not. It's extremely hard to get results and uh, many things we need to do to provide creativity, personalization, simplicity, many other stuff. So before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background and why you decided to share with us about this interesting topic. Okay, so uh, I spent 15 years in operations, in revenue operations, spanning marketing, sales and customer success support. And then I decided I needed a career change. So I went into uh, copywriting and I specialized in brand storytelling. And now I'm the VP of marketing at Caliber Mind. So quite the, it, it was a bit of an odd journey, um, but I'm seeing more and more marketing executives coming from an operations background because uh, like the topic suggests, we're under more and more pressure to prove that what we're doing is actually working. So there's yeah. two, go ahead. Yeah, 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 yeah. Continue, yeah. Well, there's two forces I'm seeing in the market. So millennials are taking over the buyer committee, particularly in B2B. And with that comes really different behavior. So like baby boomers, so independent. You could get to the decision maker. They would make the decision on their own. Gen X, also pretty independent. The latchkey kids didn't do a lot of groupthink. And now millennials are very into groupthink, lots of online research. The buyer journey is taking longer than ever. And uh, it's a really collaborative experience. So like you said, like marketers are being forced to be more creative than ever and really resonate with people on a personal level. So we're seeing a lot of B2B brands start to adopt a lot of things that have been used traditionally in B2C. And then from the other side of that is coming the executive pool who thinks that digital is trackable and 100% should be you know, presentable, and it's not. So there's this battle going on that I think has been going on for quite some time now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can call it uh, like the balance because, you know, uh, sometimes we don't know uh, what to use in different campaigns, but we can test, we can check out, uh, sometimes fail. Uh, for me, it's hard to count how many times I failed a lot. No, I keep doing this, but you know, I can find what actually works for me. Uh, Camilla, uh, I have the question about uh, writing experience. Uh, you mentioned that you have this background and um, I still get the questions how to write text that people want to 
read they want to consume until then for example you know uh, i found that online uh, there are a lot of boring text that's why bounce rate is high uh, like 80 percent of users usually leave websites without any regret because they have many different choices uh, and for me uh, my loving offers usually wrote books like 100 years ago jack london for example oh, no, yeah. when i yeah when i read his books i can feel the part of the journey you know i can feel this adventure that i'm taking part you know i can forget about uh, meal water anything i can read eight hours without stop because i love it i, I i'm feeling that uh, this experience uh, i wrote the book from joe sugarman he wrote this book like 40 years ago about how to retain uh, readers longer M many great insights uh, about personalization simplicity uh, how to catch attention um, and um, once i have the conversation with jim edwards uh, he worked in Business Insider for 10 years. He started on this company from scratch. Then uh, they sold the company like for, for $500 million, 1,000 employees, big company, well-known brand. And he mentioned that uh, the success depends on creating non-boring content. So, uh, and for me, if I can choose something in content, uh, text is the most important. You know, uh, most important than uh, design, than uh, any blogs, because people read text. Google can uh, analyze text, um, uh, user experience. So tell insights how to write this text that people want to read. That it's not boring. That's, uh, you know, can get attention and retain until the end. So I think that is such a great question and something every writer should ask themselves before they dive into the topic. So finding somebody with experience living through the problem that the reader faces can really help bring in experiences. So maybe at the very beginning of uh, an article about the war versus art and science, we talk, we set the scene, right? We're in the boardroom, the marketing leaders reporting their numbers, everything seems to go fine. And then the sales leader says, those numbers are BS. They don't match what I have. And a battle ensues, your stomach drops. That's a lot different than just jumping into digital is trackable and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. pull in an experience that they've had themselves if they've sat in that position. Um, the other piece I want to say is make it really narrow. So I'm targeting marketing operations people in B2B. And they're going to have very different experiences than an SEO specialist in B2C um, different roles. So know, know that role and find somebody who has lived that experience, maybe interview them, or if you yourself have had that experience, even better. Yeah, yeah, nice, nice. Okay, let's talk about the battle between art and science. Can you tell more about that? Uh, uh, how to find this balance, the ratio between art and science? Because, you know, it's interesting that data uh, is fuel. Before creating content, we need to learn customers, users, but sometimes I can rely on intuition, you know, uh, when uh, uh, without any data, I can be myself to create some uh, according to my experience without even data. So tell how to find this balance between art and science. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. So um, even when we're going off of our intuition, if we can find metrics that we can track to verify or deny that what we're doing is working, even better. So for example, mm -hmm. uh, web copy, 
Uh, if you're looking at engagement rates and how long people are on the page and um, whether or not if you have tracking enabled, the persona and industries match what you're looking for, then you're probably on the right track. There is going to be some intuition, but like you said, with search, sometimes you're wrong. So it's really important to have that information uh, for paid advertising, for example, uh, and you're running a bunch of tests. Some tests are going to run better than others, and you're going to take the good ones and improve on them. That's all I'm suggesting is that we use the information that's readily available to us and we learn how to get better with it. Yeah, yeah. You know, on your LinkedIn, I found uh, that you highlight see trends first. You know, it's interesting because, you know, uh, yesterday I spoke with uh, Ferry uh, Hazonim, you know, he's well known uh, in PR, and he told me that he can unite existing trends with a specific topic and create press releases or other type of content. Can you tell uh, how to learn? Uh, trends. And for example, uh, let's uh, talk about the trend. I don't know uh, the weather. Yeah, uh, in the US, it's horrible now. Uh, many people uh, uh, stick in uh, New York, many other uh, cities, big cities, because they can't fly. Uh, and uh, so, how we can unite existing trends with uh, something different and uh, create the right marketing message? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, you, you have to be a little bit careful, though, in understanding. Like, So, for example, if I'm recording a podcast two to three months out, talking about what's happening today may not make sense. So yeah. being able to figure out, like, when's, when's your content calendar scheduled to release things? So for things like social uh, media, maybe videos that you're posting on social, keeping it relevant to what's happening today, uh, is a great way to connect with people you want to have read your content. So um, let's say we're going to a board meeting and we're really stressed out about the presentation and then our flight gets canceled. That would be a good scenario to set up to go into a story. So like you said with Jack London, um, the current events are really good at setting the scene and, and pulling us in so we feel like we're there. And then we go through with the topic. Yeah, yeah. Kamala, I have the question about your high position uh, uh, in marketing. You know, uh, marketing is huge. Is huge yeah? um, many different directions, SEO, paid marketing, uh, social media, name them. So uh, I'm interested about management, how to manage a team. So you have this position, you need to handle people, uh, probably not only marketers, content creators, many other. So can you tell your process of management if you have some checklists just share with us because i see when you know people are trying to do uh, without experience uh, or cover many different directions i usually tell them if you have no success with one direction skip the rest no just improve focus pay attention to one direction but if you are talking about the team you need to manage the team any insights about that or checklist <laughs> yeah yeah so first of all um if you need help hiring for a position, if you're not an expert, let's say I'm not an expert in SEO, but I want to hire someone in SEO, I'm probably going to contact some of my contacts who are experts in that area and see what kind of questions I have, or even if they'd be willing to participate in the process. So hiring the right person to begin with is absolutely critical. Um, the other pieces I find are critical are clear communication. So make sure that you're very clear about what your priorities are and where they're coming from. So if I know the company has a goal of why, I want to tell them A, B, and C 
that need to happen to get to that goal. And that's why I'm thinking that way. Uh, I found that uh, back in the 80s, our coaches used to tell us, I'm old, our coaches used <laughs> to tell us, just do it. Don't ask questions. That doesn't work anymore. We have to mm -hmm. tell people why we expect certain things and the, the broader vision that we're trying to lead to. So really clear expectations, uh, at least weekly check-ins, and then trust your hiring. So if you got outsourced help, um, and you know this person's really good and they have a differing opinion than you, that's probably what you need to be listening to. And then sometimes you need to let them discover on their own and fail on their own. And then they'll course correct. Just don't make it go too long. You know, <laughs> you don't want yeah. them to fail over three months. Just give them Give them a few days and then say, how's that working for you? <laughs> yeah. By the way, I, I think, you know, I, I love different opinion because, you know, I often speak with many SEO experts, marketing experts. And uh, I, I found that uh, if I ask 100 people, I get 100 different replies. But uh, I found uh, anyone usually replied with their strong side. Someone is good with uh, writing content, uh, writing text, and they get million traffic. How I can criticize if people get success with doing just simple thing, you know? Uh, not simple, of course, you need to have experience to write awesome text, valuable text, but they ignore link building, they ignore many other aspects. Uh, if I speak with designers, they tell me, no, you need to have nice looking design, you know? So uh, they have own strong side, that's okay, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. I think um, the best way to consider where you have strong side, and sometimes I, ignore competitors because you know competitors have success with their strong side if they are good with video content how i am better with that how i can compete with them so it's better to avoid to find your strengths and uh, their weaknesses and go ahead with this direction so and you mentioned about you are not good with seo I, you know if you're good with marketing you're good with seo because the last time seo is marketing <laughs> uh, yeah. you know seo uh you know, uh, it's impossible to understand Google algorithms. It's impossible yeah. because AI can handle the process. Sometimes people in Google don't know how this machine can rank websites. But if you understand uh, human being, if you understand your customers, you understand algorithms. And once I got the question from uh, Bridget Heisen, she has uh, 4 million followers on LinkedIn. She is best-selling uh, offer uh, on Amazon. Uh, and she asked me, do you know what's going on on LinkedIn? Uh, algorithms change. And uh, I found that many prominent experts have having a loyal audience, big audience, don't know algorithms, but they know how to share value. They know yeah. how to help others, support. So if you know this, you know all algorithms. Yeah. It's simple, nothing special. Uh, yeah. Camilla, I have uh, the question about hiring. You mentioned you need to trust someone who can hire uh, the right people. Can you tell about uh, uh, having this, uh, I mean, like to cooperate with group recruiters, HR specialists, anyone uh, so who can find the right people in your team? Uh that's a great question. Um, I'm working with a really tiny organization and it was even tinier when I started hiring people. I think we had 11 mm -hmm. people when I was building out my team. So I was on LinkedIn recruiting. 
And I was reviewing the resumes and I was <laughs> inviting people to come in. Um, but a few tools I used as a really small company was looking at their LinkedIn pages for referrals, seeing what people said about them. Um, that hasn't steered me wrong. If somebody is very recommended, it's usually a good sign. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, I want to ask you about your skill, uh, creative marketing strategy. Mm -hmm. Can you help? our audience how to create the right strategy because many companies uh, according to a few studies have no documented content strategy they usually check out competitors uh, analyze how they get traffic sales and try to replicate it it's not good idea if you have no uh, this strong side so tell about how to uh, create the right marketing strategy considering strengths that we have Okay, I'll use the podcast as an example. So what I did is I looked at all the podcasts out there and there were a lot, there's a lot. So there were a lot on operations professionals and I, there's advice that a friend of mine gave me that always rings in my head. It's no one regret regrets going too narrow. The regret is always trying to capture a too broad audience, right? Mm -hmm. So with that in mind, I put a mission on the podcast and that drives the content creation, no matter who the guest is. And that is how do we take somebody who's in operations or maybe they're a marketing specialist and prepare them for that trajectory to executive. So it's all about career growth, growing soft skills, that sort of thing. So finding something that's lacking and focusing on that and big bonus points, it's something I'm super passionate about and that comes across. So like I'm able to be authentic and really focus on something that drives me and be in service to other people, even though I'm running this podcast for a company. So that applies to my content strategy as well. I write things that I would want to learn about and I would want to read or I know are lacking in the community because people are asking questions about it frequently. When you find a gap that seems to exist, go for it. That's that's the exciting stuff to write about. That's the stuff people want to read. Nice, nice. Love it, love it. Valuable. Uh, yeah, yeah, agree with that. Okay, uh, let's talk about um, buying persona. For example, uh, 10 years ago, uh, probably more, 12 years ago, I set up Google Ads without any experience. Nobody helped me. Uh, and uh, I got sales results because uh, of paying 5, 10 cent per click not a lot today i can't i can't uh, pay five ten cents and we have huge competition almost all companies are online they set up google ads paid ads and today it's important to find a buying persona uh, in marketing we have the saying like uh, if you to sell if you sell to anyone you sell to no one tell your methods, how to find a buying persona to learn your customers before creating marketing message. Okay, so this takes a little bit of selling, but if you can convince the sales team to let you be on some of their calls, not only do you learn what kind of people they're selling to, but you also learn the language they use to describe products like yours, which as you know, really helpful when it comes to SEO because the language they use is typically tied to how they search for things. So you can find a treasure trove of long tail keywords to target that maybe your competitors, you have an incumbent and they already have the keywords that you want. 
you have to go after the long tail ones. So be in as many sales conversations as possible. Another great thing is there are some fantastic contractors out there who do opportunity close interviews. So whether you win or lose, they'll interview the people, see who all was on the buyer committee and get details about what worked and didn't work about your sales process. That can really help inform your web strategy and your web strategy has to be on point. So if you're directing ads to pages that don't make sense, it's not structured for the researching buyer, they don't know what your headers mean, they're going to bounce right away. But if you can participate in those sales calls, learn the language they're using and structure your content and website that way, uh, you're ahead of the game. Yeah, yeah, nice. Okay, uh, you mentioned about salespeople. Uh, according to a few studies, <laughs> salespeople distrust marketers. Yeah, uh, yeah. because of many things. Uh, probably, uh, I can assume, probably uh, marketers uh, often create a long plan strategy. That considers uh, like to create uh, brand awareness, many other things, uh, PR. Uh, but salespeople wanna sell now, today, uh, and uh, yeah, we have this this balance. Uh, anyway, tell your members how to cooperate with salespeople to uh, and create a cohesive strategy uh, to cooperate together to get uh, final results. Such a good question and. Uh, I think it's one we all struggle with. So uh, I'm very lucky that I have a sales, a head of sales who's very open to working with me and we're very collaborative in our strategy. But that also takes me understanding that they're compensated, like you said, on selling right now and hitting their number right now. <laughs> so I need to have multiple plays running at once. I can't just focus on the long game. I also need to have epic content, videos, podcasts right now that appeal to people today that will bring people in the door. So it's, there's two parts. It's top down. So collaborating with your managers and then uh, making sure that you're not single-minded in your marketing strategy and only running the long game. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. It's better, uh, by the way, uh, someone told me you need to have a few beers with uh, salespeople <laughs> to spend time <laughs> on Friday night. <laughs> it can help. You know? <laughs> yeah, socializing doesn't hurt. So, yeah. <laughs> agree. Okay, uh, let's talk about uh, marketing that uh, works. For example, marketing is huge. We have many different channels. Tell your loving channels and why uh, you uh, use these marketing channels. I mean, like, or uh, you mentioned that SEO is not for you, probably other channels, any insights about how to choose the right channel? So um, we definitely incorporate SEO in the strategy, but I celebrated mm -hmm. when I found out, found out that Google's algorithms were moving towards conversational SEO. I was like, yes, because <laughs> as a really, really tiny company, my sole focus was in creating content that people actually wanted to read because I knew as a tiny company, nobody had ever heard of, it was boring and I was just keyword stuffing. No one would spend mm -hmm. time on the page. So if you become yeah. that resource that people want to learn more about, much better. Um, so we do incorporate SEO, um, but the main focus is on creating content that people like and then putting a sense of humor and empathy into it so i'll do videos where i'm making fun of marketers for how they do lead scoring or different things by throwing stuff at a dartboard so we're very active on social media linkedin TikTok, not so much twitter anymore 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because of uh, Elon Musk? <laughs> maybe. Uh, <laughs> and <Okay>. then <laughs> we have a podcast. We use the video on YouTube. Um, we do a lot of PR. So I write a lot of articles that are published mm -hmm. in different publications. And we're also active in different communities. So there are a lot of different things my tiny little marketing team is doing. And um, it, it's write once, use many. So we're not just doing the article, we're doing the podcast recording, a video, and maybe some uh, graphics that go along with it. So it's it's not just one thing we're making, we make a lot of things and then post it in a lot of different directions. Mm -hmm. uh, can you tell how to measure results from different channels? For example, if you use TikTok, LinkedIn, uh, a little bit Twitter, uh, other channels. So uh, how to measure which channels bring results uh, because you know for example if i watch video on tiktok i can open website without clicks and you don't know that tiktok uh, took my attention any insights about that yeah another great question so i think we're one of the few attribution companies that admits there is a dark funnel and some things mm -hmm. are hard if not impossible to track so we get some uh, some traffic st statistics from Google Analytics, that's fine. But mm -hmm. if we add a new channel, we want to watch uplift overall traffic over time. And then if we're promoting certain pieces of content, we watch uplift on those specific pages. So there are ways to get directionality. You may not be able to say 100% this is absolutely the cause of this, um, but have your salespeople ask where people found you. That's a great resource too. So get that qualitative data. If you start hearing, oh, somebody said that they recognized you from a TikTok video, keep doing TikTok, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, I think it's better to keep doing it even if you can't get results because of consistency. You know, sometimes it takes time, like months, years, you know, to get results. Yeah. I, I know uh, once I listened to audio podcast, I don't remember his name, but... Uh, I, uh, this guy is billionaire, uh, the friend of Jeff Bezos, and he couldn't get results for 14 years. And he told that Jeff Bezos uh, called him crazy guy, you know, because he uh, didn't give up. Uh, and today his company has uh, uh, offices in uh, 56 countries, a lot, so uh, well-known company, but he didn't give up. And I remember other great uh, content creators like PewDiePie, he filmed 100 videos to get 285 subscribers. Mr. Beast filmed videos an year and a half to get 1,000 subscribers. But these guys didn't give up. You know, they keep doing what they love uh, to get uh, results that they have today. Yeah, uh, anyone know them? So yeah, I I agree with that. Okay, uh, uh, let's talk about. Uh, Another aspect, uh, how to submit call to action. For example, if I create video content on TikTok, uh, but, you know, um, I, I remember one uh, company told me they lost 400,000 traffic a month, but they didn't lose sales. So they got traffic that uh, don't sell. So a lot of traffic, crazy traffic, but... Uh, uh, it's useless, you know. So, and uh, if we create content for TikTok, LinkedIn, uh, it's uh, we need to create valuable content, informational content that covers a buying journey. 
Uh, and can you tell how to submit this call to action to this content if it's educational or entertainment, any content? Oh, that's it's all the great questions, all the great questions. Okay, so let me think through this. So I don't expect somebody who finds one of my videos making fun of the the conflict between sales and marketing to come to Caliber Mind and buy something right away. Mm -hmm. Like it's great if you follow me, maybe you get some information, but you're probably not going to buy the product. That's fine. So you have to uh, realize that not all content's created equal and you need an array of content so people don't get bored. But um, if you can offer things that are truly valuable and insightful, people will actually go through and sign up for it. So I don't gate most of my content, but we have a lot of expert panel webinars where we invite people who are very well known in the community and influencers in B2B. And then we have them invite folks too. And then we get a pretty big following. So it's all about strategy. Um, I don't put a CTA on everything I post and maybe that's mm -hmm. religious, yeah. but I just don't think it makes sense to drive people to my webpage if the content I'm creating really isn't, doesn't have anything to do with marketing analytics. I, I love it. I, I love it. Yeah, I agree. You know, sometimes we need to create content just to create brand awareness. You know, uh, and uh, companies can lose if they think only about sales. So, yeah, you can sell. You need to, uh, to have sales. But uh, if you can't help customers seven times, uh, probably they will choose your competitors you know, when yeah. they're ready to buy. Yeah, and I see that a lot in B2B where we're product feature spewing all the time. Like we can do this and it's really cool and we're not focusing on the problem that our targets face. Instead of uh, talking about how much time we can give them with their families, how um, we can decrease stress by cutting down the time it takes to do something, that's more personable and related to... Um, I mean, even some of the toilet paper commercials are very sweet and, and invoke some feelings. So if toilet paper can do that, so can B2B. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> okay, let's talk about uh, things that I don't like. Uh, I, for example, I don't like best practices. Uh, for example, best practices uh, when people are trying to lose weight, that's okay. Best practices how to learn uh, French or any other language, that's okay. But best practices in marketing can confuse more than help because, uh, for example, if I see on best practices, you need to film content because uh, it gets higher uh, engagement. But if you can't film great content, why you need to do it? Find something else you can write, you can design anything. Uh, and I found another thing that uh, no, when uh, companies learn their customers and uh, limit their possibilities uh, of being yourself. No, uh, for example, okay, I pay attention to my customers, but I wanna be myself because I can burn out, I can quit without results. Can you tell how to find the balance? Okay, we have this topic battle you know, uh, between being yourself and uh, customer uh, interests and preferences. Uh, so, any insights about that? Oh. Well, uh, I think it's really important to, uh, the longer we do this, the more we're seeing breakouts of content creators representing a, a brand. And what attracts people to these brand representatives is their personality, they're quirky, they, they're funny, they're something that, that appeals to us. That's really important, but 
knowing the line between it's like boundaries, right? If you're going to the grocery store, somebody turns around and tells you their life story. That's a lot. Like it's, it's too much. So knowing when it's too much and to pull back a little bit, I think is part of the art for sure. It's, it's a hard thing to build, but usually you'll notice because people will start commenting on it. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, let's talk about, uh, you know, uh, another aspect of being yourself. Uh, once I read the book, uh, Damon John, he is a producer in Shark Tank, and he wrote the book, uh, yeah, he shared the story about a girl. Uh, she uh, was not funny. Uh, she was uh, so, uh, like, introvert. Uh, she didn't have any friends. But once she decided to, to start a blog, uh, to share her story and million people followed her million people are the same you know Mi million people are not funny they don't try to be funny if they are not funny you know and i think it's okay when you be yourself uh and um, what i've learned from the story uh, if you learn your customers but if you can't uh take the 100 percent of their side it's uh, you can lose you know but if you can find the balance between being yourself and your customers you can get higher results for example many marketing books tell you need to find where your audience is for, okay if my audience on instagram but i'm so bad with that i'm not sure that it's a good idea for me uh, trying to find that but uh, uh, i can go on linkedin uh, with hundred uh, not 100 yeah eight 800 million people on linkedin so people are on linkedin as well uh you can find your audience on facebook on at any place what do you think about um testing with something that you like not your audience like intuition not data any insights about that <laughs> I feel like I have to pause before I answer because these are very in-depth <laughs> questions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, it depends on your skill sets and your team's skill sets. Mm -hmm. So if you yeah. have somebody on your team yeah. who is just fantastic at that, leverage it. But if it's something you hate and you don't want to go there, you're not going to do well. Just stick to what you're good at. <laughs> but <laughs> if you can hire for your deficits, so if you know your audience is on Instagram and let's say you find somebody who is very youthful and, and knows the trends, go with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you need to, uh, you know, uh, two things. You can skip or uh, delegate, uh, hire someone who is good with that. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you. Uh, I have the question about common mistakes. Can you list common mistakes that companies still do and how to find a much but a much better way in marketing yes so traditionally b2b has relied on the sales team to grow the business so if mm -hmm. they need more sales they hire more salespeople and they do cold prospecting that's changing so cold prospecting isn't as effective if people are aware of your brand, you're focused on getting testimonials on sites like G2, you're really engaging your customers and encouraging them to uh, do case studies and whatnot. That's what you need. So businesses need to invest in marketing earlier. It's no longer acceptable for a seed or series A to wing it with their website and just 
put it up there and say it's good enough and then hire a bunch of salespeople. It just doesn't work anymore. So businesses need to invest in marketing earlier and they need to invest in somebody who understands the business strategy and has a mindset that's appropriate for the company stage. So what I mean by that is don't hire a CMO on day one, maybe go with a fractional CMO who can build out your team and drive the strategy, but make sure you have practitioners in the seats that can really create a lot of content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice, nice. Uh, Camilla, uh, let's imagine you're not vice president. You started from scratch. You have no experience. What will you do today to learn more about marketing to be an expert in one shiny day? Uh, let's see. Uh, I follow experts in the different fields like yourself and Neil Patel. And uh, there's so many people out there who are so fantastic and so generous with their knowledge and who will converse with you back and forth if you have questions. So there's really no excuse not to learn. I'm always consuming content and trying to learn myself. I have a bunch of podcasts on my uh, phone. It's just always be learning. Nice, nice. Yeah, I agree. By the way, uh, if someone generous with content, that means, uh, you know, for example, if I share some interesting insights, I can uh, memorize much better. Uh, if I learn something, uh, but when I share with others, I can memorize. Uh, I remember when Bill Gates shared his methods of reading books, he usually makes notes because people have short memory. They can forget about new skills for a few days. I, I usually do it for a few hours, you know, for a few minutes. I can forget about something valuable. But if you make notes, uh, and the best way, uh, like Elon Musk, he can post on Twitter. You know, uh, So uh, you can share with others be generous with that you can grow your audience and uh, you can memorize it you know so yeah why not uh, yeah yeah that's why i do a podcast i love talking to people who are passionate about what they're doing and as we're conversing it's going to stick a little bit harder than if i yeah. just read it yeah awesome uh camilla i have the question about your background i see a lot of family photos Tell how family can inspire you. I know that uh, we chatted a little bit before podcast. Uh, so any insights about your family life and how it can help in your marketing job? Yeah, um, I am very fortunate in that I have a very supportive husband who when I discovered, you know, I was good at operations, but I, I was kind of miserable. I, I was tired of arguing over things that I thought weren't important. It, it was frustrating for me. My husband's like, well, you don't need to do that anymore. And I think so, mon- mon- so many of us think that we're stuck because we've taken this career path and there's no way to change. And him giving me the space to take a little bit of time off and really think about it. I'm like, oh, I've published fiction novels. I've done a ton of writing in my work. Maybe I could do that. And then him having the patience for me to find somebody who would take a chance on, on that as a freelancer. I mean, that's such a gift. So I feel very, very fortunate. Um, and I also talked him into leaving sales and going into operations. So it's like he took my place and I went in a different direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. Okay, I have the final question about the future in marketing. Can you predict the future? What kind of future will be? Because we still get the question is SEO dead, is marketing dead, is uh, Instagram dead? So many things are dead, but your insights about the future, what future will, what kind of future will be? 
Yeah, I, uh, so many things aren't dead and they still work and it's okay to use them. So be, uh, be brave enough to try the hard things. And um, I think what we're going to see is more of an emphasis I mentioned on investing in marketing and really structuring a website, a hub for people to come to and do a lot of research because that's where our buyers want to be. I think sales is going to be of less importance. 43% of buyers say they don't even want to talk to a salesperson. So marketing is going to have to step in, and we already are, and touch the buyer journey throughout and also help with customers and retention. So I see the roles of marketing getting bigger, and I see the need for marketers to start learning more about data and how to interpret it that's going up as well. The rest of it, I can't predict because as you know, what worked last week doesn't work this week. And it's, it's always changes constant. So it's like death and yeah. taxes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. That's why I, you know, um, what I've learned from Neil Patel, uh, once he shared that he doesn't read SEO news. He doesn't learn what's going on in this niche because, uh, many things are coming and, Great experts don't know what's going on. We don't know what Google can change, what LinkedIn can change. They usually do uh, the best for their platforms, uh, for Google, for LinkedIn, for Facebook, YouTube. Uh, and uh, one thing uh, doesn't change. You need to satisfy customer intent. You need to help others, support, because uh, it creates the feeling to give something back now to buy your products, uh, to recommend you, many other stuff. Kamala, it's a big pleasure to get on my show, to learn from you. You share a lot of valuable insights. I love it. Tell our audience the best way, how to reach out to you, how, how to learn more about you, how to follow you. Yeah, so uh, podcast consumers, you're prolifically consuming content. Check out the Revenue Marketing Report, my podcast. We're also on YouTube. And then uh, check out calibermind.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn. Nice. Guys, you can find all these links in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. A big pleasure. Welcome back anytime to share more valuable insights. I love it, guys. You need to follow Kamala because you can see a lot of value. Okay, guys. Love you. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.